Vince. What's good, people? It's Reg. It's Stone. And we are out here, maxing and relaxing on a beach, you know, just maintaining our thoughts, thinking about the future, thinking about new ideas, thinking about the algorithm, thinking about AI, thinking about monetization, you know what I'm saying? So right now, you know, we had AI podcast last week, you know what I'm saying? So right now, we're trying to think of new ways, new revenues of leveraging the AI algorithm, and I have a new one for you guys. Uh-oh. A- AI rap videos. Oh, dude, Universal's already doing that, right? You know, well, they are, I'm afraid. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> I am not surprised. <laughs> Isn't that just Takashi Six Nine? <laughs> Actually, you know what's fucking shit. I Takashi Six Nine really is pretty AI. Like everything was so manufactured, and I hate to say it. If you're dang, are we becoming a record label? Like if you kind of get a Takashi, if you could just kind of nail down the image and just have somebody write the raps in the background to file all the other drama, they would have been paid. Oh yeah, no, it's like look, F, was it F F K N Mecca or whatever that dude is? Like that dude had like a black guy that they were exploiting behind him, like writing the raps and actually rapping. We don't even need that anymore. We're already here, man. We're already here. Imagine you losing to an AI in a rap battle. I would just kill myself. <laughs> Like 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 everybody's on stage and it's like you know it's like all right you know sometimes they pull out like a, like a couple of lines they pre wrote like some you just like somebody's just like shh like a hushed crowd and it's just like the judges come pull the phone and it's like this nigga got ChatGPT he's look, got ChatGPT running look I mean look like like chess masters lose to like a, you know AI chess masters right like it's it's. <laughs> The robots are taking over, man. Like, how is the robot know. gonna take over? How is the robot gonna outbrag getting better bitches than me? <laughs> <laughs> They'll figure it out. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and the sad thing is, the crowd's gonna be like, "Ooh, he does. Do, he does do better with women than he does." So it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> I get to see like a, a fucking like server rack in the VIP. <laughs> just wheeled in. <laughs> I want I, I want eight outlets, eight outlets for all my servers out here, my server crew. What's like the crystal for for server racks, right? Like I don't know. <laughs> Additional RAM, <laughs> just spread out. I want one twenty eight, no sixty four shit. One twenty eight, all all for my my virtual n words. like cocaine style, like just like. <laughs> like microchips like piled up. <laughs> we are doomed. Uh. <laughs> uh. But anyway, more to doom and gloom. Uh, recently, Uncle Snoop went viral. Now, uh, a, a quick background. This is a Snoop Doggy Dog who, in his defense, may have gone about it the wrong way, but early on was on some like, hey... This tech is here. We got to figure something out. There was a point where he bought all death row stuff and put it into NFTs and sell it that way. You know, mysteriously, I think a year or two later, they showed up on streaming again. So while that idea wasn't necessarily declared dead, it looked like it was dead. 
So uh, basically, there was a little talk, you know, conference involving some music people, entertainment people, and the ex-head of Apple Music was sitting on the panel. And he asked a stupid question, and basically, it was a lot similar to the long lines of streaming. And uh, Snoop went kind of pretty viral for kind of just, you know, speaking the truth. It was, it was done in a very Snoop Doggy Dog way, but he was basically like, hey, you know, it's kind of odd because when I was growing up, you know, I would sell one album for $10. And, you know, if I sold a million, it was worth $10 million. They said you get a percentage of the $10 million and I got a check. And he's like, now the streamings, there's no real numbers. It's all imaginary. They'll say you had a billion streams. You did this. You did that. And there really isn't accounting. And it's one kind of thing we've kind of had in the podcast all the time. And I'm pretty sure you could testify to it, Stone, is the fact of where you got to pay these motherfucking artists. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's actually kind of funny because, like, you know, in addition to music, I'm in the tech community. And I think, like, Da-da-da. some of the tech people thought that Snoot's presence on that stage was a little bit cringy. Because you know? this is like, you know, like a, a the Milken Global Institute, you know, Ooh. like it's very posh. It's a lot of like CEOs, business owners. And I think like there's some controversy basically saying like, you know, why Snoop talking about AI and tech and, and, and revenue, things like that. There should be like a, a more prestigious black person on stage and I get that right like I, I understand like why like Snoop was like a weird addition to that lineup right like Snoop is basically being Snoop Dogg right like you I, I don't know if they understood what they were getting when they invited him having that said he is you know the right person to transfer that energy right and yes if Snoop you know who essentially I mean, to be honest, <laughs> has not made an album that, well, like uh, Rhythm and uh, Rhythm and Gangster was a great album. So I'll give him that. That was like, what, the 2000s? Has not made an album that I think like people have like listened to in a long time. But he's still out here advocating for artists, right? Snoop has been in the game now for close to 30 years, more than 30 years. But he's still having the same problems as the artist, you know, like, you know, down the street, right. The bedroom producer, right. They're still getting (laughs) probably like the same amount of like compensation for them, their streams. Bedroom producer gets a thousand streams, obviously. And and Snoop gets millions, but it's the same problem. So Snoop is, is the, the right person to voice that anger. And, you know, even if you don't agree with Snoop's like kind of placement at that event, he's the right person at the right time to kind of do that. And actually, he's I, I, I as a self-proclaimed bougie N-word, I will say that I, I disagree to that critique only because I think the big issue of all the conversations we're having, we're having conversations about like, will the AI kill us? We're having conversations about like, you know, how do we copyright this? We're having conversations about like, oh my God, I could do this crazy mashups. We haven't really talked about the people that will actually affect on the ground level. And I think what's cool about Snoop is the idea of where it's like, hey, he's just like, I am a creative. Like I, I am the person that this tool will impact the most. Maybe not necessarily lose my job per se, but the way I create content, the way I kind of get it out. And I think the big issue, 
I would make the argument that there was a certain Valhalla in tech, maybe about 10 years ago, where, you know, we had, you know, these great smartphones, you had these interesting websites like MySpace, you know, streaming maybe not necessarily was a thing, but, you know, like at least not necessarily big on, you know, Spotify was coming, you know, Netflix was starting to do streaming. There was a point where everything kind of worked and it felt like, you know, as somebody who engaged in the tech, it felt like a, like a, like a highway system was the fact of where, you know, I would engage, I would give my money, I would get all this cool stuff. And it feels like to a certain extent, the conversation has kind of been left to, at the end of the day, the corporations. It's like, hey, you know, we've got, you know, the corporation wants to pay this engineer to create product. And in that little unholy triangle, there's never a conversation about like, hey, are we creating art? And I think it's kind of cool to have Snoop there to kind of say like, hey, I'm the artist. I'm the one who does X, Y, Z. So if you're having a conversation about AI, if you're having a conversation about getting content through streaming, he's like, how does that affect me? And, and that's the thing is the idea of where I, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we all love like certain, you know, like, you know, I love an A24 movie, but it's just like, I, I care more about the directors and the actors than whoever the own fuck owns A24. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. For sure. And also, too, like, yo, we support the writers and the writers, right? Holler. Support Holler. Me. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think also, too, uh, it, it's really interesting because, like, I'm, I'm reading this Forbes article and they're kind of like, it's really it's interesting, and I understand now why Snoop was invited. He has a, a like a VC firm that invests in cannabis startups. He has like a coffee company now, you know. Nice. And I think they were they were getting they I think they were trying to figure out like what Snoop they're going to get. Right? They're like, oh, we're going to get the VC Snoop. <laughs> <laughs> and and they got the real Compton Snoop. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but you know, I, I, I think it's like really interesting, you know, and I think like, like the, the one thing I, I thought was really poignant is like Snoop was kind of talking to the people. It's like Snoop was reading the room and saying like, you guys are in this audience or, you know, the guy that's in this audience. Right. And I, I, I think that, I don't know, like I couldn't say a Jay-Z doing this. Right. Like wow. real talk. <laughs> Hundred percent. That shots five, but true. Yeah, you know, like, like, like. There's some, yeah, and, and no knock to Jay Z. Like, obviously, Jay Z, Jay Z, want to be a Rockefeller. <laughs> you know, and he's basically a Rockefeller. Da, da, da. You know, um, but you know, I, I, I think, I think it's really kind of great to kind of see that, and it's really kind of great to see that Snoop is, is advocating for that, um. My my biggest thing is I I do wonder if like this is going to be a fleeting moment or is this going to be something that's going to inspire real change? Um, I do think that you know Snoop like feeling that he doesn't have power. He's seeing an audience of powerful people and Snoop realizing that's like oh no I have to talk to you because I don't have the power to do that. That's really Great sad. Point. You know. Um, and I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how Snoop can actually, you know, be the the you know arbiter of change here. But um, but yeah, like like hopefully this continues to spur conversations. This is like a not a new conversation. Um, and also too, like we I've said before, you know, the writers have a union. They're striking striking right now. Musicians need a union. Yeah, you know. 
Yeah, no, I, at this point in time, it's it's become, I mean, shit. I, I, again, I feel like it's something kind of, for, for a podcast that supposedly loves music, we definitely kind of put a lot of the issues in music. But to a certain point, it's like, you know, you've taken away, you know, sales are gone. You know, you've, you've, you've definitely kind of crippled touring. You know, you've got the issue of where a lot of bands have been seeing kind of complaining where they show up to a venue and now the venue's gotten hip where they want to cut off the merch itself. So at a certain point, you've kind of starved everybody kind of out. Like, honestly, the only thing that I've been kind of like hoping for is the fact of everybody's kind of, everybody's kind of hopped on the AI wave when it's not 100% there yet. And as a result, everything is pretty mid. Then I'm hoping that at the same time, the tools have gotten so cheaper that, you know, like all you kind of need is a phone and you can make the next, the next big hit. You know what I'm saying? Literally, I was, I was, I was listening to a podcast with, um, uh, Fred, I am, what's the guy's name? Fred again, Fred again. Yeah. Who's quote unquote. And he was basically talking about how, like, you know, a lot of his vocals on one album was just basically him on an iPhone. He would just sit there and he liked it. And that's the way he used it. Like that was his primary, like get the vocals, record on fucking sound recorder, export it into Ableton and then kind of chop them up and do whatever, whatever. So I'm hoping that at the end of the day that the ingenuity of humanity having easy access to tools versus like, you know, the 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 the, the obviously going to be very mediocrity of AI will solve it. Particularly also the fact of at the end of the day, I always laugh. AI has been taking out this really vague concept as if this this mega fucking computer somewhere that magically set up all this stuff. It's just like 2010 internet just hoovered up into a machine. Let's oh, let's get to the point here. Of course. <laughs> so we're we're all talking like, oh my god, it's AI and it's it's no, sadly enough, and I feel bad for y'all. If y'all got shitty porn posts somewhere that you're trying to hide from your your, your, your current wife and kids, that's in that AI also. So don't be surprised. <laughs> One day it's just like, hey, Bob, remember this post? <laughs> oh, man. I haven't even thought about that. Uh, but we're going to keep it moving. <laughs> yes. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, your boy, Ed Sheeran. Sheeran. I love him. My, my, my favorite ginger. Um, uh-oh. Who's a, who's, who's a better ginger than Ed? No, I, I I will let you say your piece. I I, I actually have some thoughts on Ed Sheeran as a person, but oh, let, I think we're probably we're more closely aligned than you think. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> um, little backdrop. Um, years ago there was a blurred line controversy where basically Pharrell, Robin Thicke, I think Tia might have actually been included, even though he just rapped on it. Uh, they were sued for basic copyright infringement. Um, it was the gay estate, basically. They made a song and kind of, at least in the interview, said, hey, we wanted to make a song that sounds like X, Y. Um, the state sued. And even though anybody who kind of knows music, yeah, it sounded a lot like that song, but it was a different key, different rhythm, slightly different notes. They basically lost. And from that point on, it's been a, a very interesting amount of just messing this within the music industry. You've got people like Miguel giving fucking um, credits to Smashing Pumpkins. You've got like, you know, which was already kind of on trend just by the nature of music fucking songwriting nowadays, where one song might have like, you know, 10 co-writers. Now it's got like 800. I'm exaggerating, but you know, definitely in the dozens because they're like, hey, you know, that line might be like, you know, I'm pretty sure you probably had like law firms and groups that kind of just popped out of no I'm mean, wholesale, like new business models kind of built on like, hey, here's this song we created. It's going to be on the new fucking Beyonce record. Can you tell us if we got to pay anybody for it? Because 
we don't know. We we thought of of ourselves, but we aren't too sure that subconsciously we kind of did something that kind of bit off of it. So long story short, a similar lawsuit happened to, again, our favorite ginger, Ed Sheeran. And in a weird, I guess, level setting of the universe, he won. Um, long story short, it was kind of similar to Gaze to suit him for, again, the vibes of a song. You could make the argument here that at least opposed to the Pharrell incident, there wasn't a, a point here of where, hey, we're going for a Marvin Gaye type vibe. It's just a song that kind of sounded like another song. And luckily he prevailed. So I, just like the last lawsuit, there really isn't anything in stone. It's like the copyright law. I mean, the copyright law has changed magically or anything like that. But hopefully, like the previous lawsuit, will set a precedent of where we kind of ease up on the bricks as far as suing everybody just because, you know, I say I like it like that. And now I've got to pay <laughs> a state to a cheesy pop song of fucking, you know, <laughs> the 90s. Yeah, I mean, I, so first off, about Ed Sheeran, I'm not mad at the dude's hustle. He's a mid-ass dude. but he Oh, yes. Works. <laughs> he works. He, he works his ass off. Like, I, I saw him at South By, like, you know, way back in the day. Like, there's this whole crazy story about how he was, like, crashing at Jamie Foxx's apartment. Because he's just like playing a show in LA and Jamie Foxx is like, you're cool. And he kind of came to Jamie Foxx's house to party and it's just like never left for like a month. <laughs> <laughs> like, like the dude has parlayed this into a global, you know, pop career. So I'm not mad. Um, <laughs> and obviously he's he has better lawyers than Pharrell Robin Thicke. <laughs> Yep, you know, um, but I think like the, the the good thing about this, and like I guess what people are taking away is that when the blurred lines controversy happened and that trial happened, I think a lot of people were kind of scared. Um, and, and to be honest, like, I don't think it had a not like you know, obviously you do have the people who are like, oh, I have to credit Smashing Pumpkins now just in case, <laughs> right? But I don't think it affected music in the way that, like, the doom and gloom people, like, said it would. Um, but I, the narrative around Ed Sheeran's victory is that, like, the, the pendulum is swinging kind of back, right? Um, you know, where I think, and I, I would probably agree that, you know, interpolation can have so many different, you know, uh, like shapes and sounds that I think the blurred lines victory was a little bit too harsh on the, on the gay Marvin Gaye side. Whereas I think that, um, you know, I I would say like Marvin Gaye, like the state kind of overstepped its bounds. Um, and maybe like people can take a little bit more of a breather. So I'm, I'm okay with the verdict. I think, you know, we should have the freedom and expression of art Having that said, I do know that, you know, the the track that they took, the lawyers for, for, for the Marvin Gaye estate took was like more of a racial thing, where it's like this guy is, this white guy is taking black sounds and interpolating it, um, which didn't really work with the jury, but it is kind of something where you think about, right? Like, you know, um, there's... There are no musical reparations, <laughs> you know, but I don't know, like, like, bar. yeah, but you know, like, I, I don't know, like, it, it's kind of hard sometimes 
you know, you can be influenced by things. And, like, maybe the influence, like, you wear that on your sleeve. But I, I think I don't want to judge every artist by their influences. Obviously, sampling, if you sample an artist, that artist should get paid, right? Like, I think that's, like, to me, that feels like clear, clear as day. But interpolation is such, quote, unquote, blurred lines that I, I, I feel like the artist should have some freedom here. Um, to kind of wear some of their inspirations on their sleeve. No, absolutely, and and I think that that what what what, I, what scared me about it, and and you're right, it hasn't really panned out um, as far as a doom and gloom per se. Is there's always a risk to me is the idea of wear genre, whereas the idea of to a certain extent, if you don't really know what's happening in like techno, if your ears aren't trained to that, and you have like a let's say a jury, are they gonna know the difference between like you know? Like masses at work and Frankie Knuckles, you know. And but like I said, it's on the flip side is the idea of where you know there is an undercurrent of the fact of where and like like you said the racial component, but not even that is the idea of where literally people were kind of kind of taking styles and making on their own and not giving the people who kind of created those styles their props also, you know. And as time went on, they were kind of locked out of the same riches, even though they're doing the same exact stuff. Like similar to one of my favorite recent lawsuits was uh, I forget, I think it was Suicide Boys, where basically they. Um, three six mafia sued them because they were they've been running with that three six mafia style like crazy yeah <laughs> and it's just like that i kind of look at them it's like damn you know and i get it i don't know if it necessarily involved samples per se so it could have but like i remember reading it and i'm like yeah these guys have been literally doing the three six mafia style you know eerie piano fucking chords you know a loop of somebody chant of like almost like a like a, a jail gang like like you know go to find a body or something in the background and then dudes talking nihilism rap shit like gang like horrorcore shit so it's just like you look at it and it's just like yeah Maybe none of those sounds, like none of those, none of those melodies or those chants, A does not equal B. But at the same time, if you've got basically a similar flow, similar B style, similar samples, similar chords, even though it's not the same song. <laughs> yeah, I, and I think like two, to be honest, and we'll talk about Lil Yachty because that's kind of like the same, <laughs> same energy. Yeah. Um, if you are interpolating an artist and maybe from a legal standpoint, like it's a little blurry. Um, but I think just from like a cultural and just like being a good ass dude standpoint, um, if you're at the level of Ed Sheeran, acknowledge that. Right. Um, or if there's, if you're sampling somebody like three, six mafia, like, and you're like, you're blowing up, right. You're in, in your booking venues. I mean, Give them like an opening slot or something like that. Like, yeah. You know, like like share the wealth. I know there's not a lot of wealth in music, but um, I think a lot of that stuff kind of goes a long way. And I think like a lot of you know kind of like the lawsuits and things like that are just kind of like obviously it's money because like a lot of these artists who kind of set the standard aren't really that rich, but it's also like a recognition aspect of it as well. You know. Yeah, no, it's, at the end of the day, it's like you still have to kind of give props to people who kind of came before you, particularly with, like, you know, again, music kind of builds on each other, on, on, on things. So it's just like, you know, a lot of your big acts today 
would not have been big acts if it wasn't for, you know, mid-tier to low-tier to maybe no-tier acts of 10 years ago. You know, that flow built into this flow, built into that B style, built into that melodic style, built into X, Y, Z. And it's a lot easier to kind of hear it with, actually, I can't even say it's easy to hear it with bands. If, like, you know, from a certain point, you've got, like, you know, how many Little Wayne disciples do you have? How many Future Disciples do you have? You know, Arguably, Rakim, Rakim said a Rakim said a line that everybody after him has made much more money off of than he has. <laughs> so you look at things like that. Yeah. Where it's like, damn, you know, there's got to be a way to kind of give back, you know. And and you know, there's, like I said, hopefully, like I said, as somebody as as somebody who likes the creative aspect of it, I really think there needs to be freedom there. Like if things happened at the same time in your head and it's, you know, it was unintentional and it kind of sounds a little bit like that, or you heard something and it inspired you. So you flipped it a little different, you know, that I think needs to be preserved. But at that same time, the, the idea, and I guess it even goes back to the idea of screaming and everything else. There needs to be more equity where you can't always have the winners be people who weren't necessarily involved with the architects. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to have one special new music. Not necessarily new, but very recent, very topical, going on tour. You know, I had an AI album cover. What? What? Yeah. yeah. Oh, this is a, this is this this podcast is on theme. It's on theme. <laughs> new music. Uh, new music. Lil Yachty, let's start here. Take it away, Stone. So... Look, this came out in February. I'm not a little Yai fan. Um, look, I think Poland was like kind of a bop, but it's not something I check regularly. And several people reached out to me and said, like, you should check out the new little Yai. I did this week, and I was genuinely impressed. I, I will say, Lil Yai probably got high and listened to, you know, Youth Turmor. Chain <laughs> you know, uh, you know, like, like, I, I, I feel like, you know, he definitely wanted to do something that was different, and he got high, and he did that. And I remember him being really pissed when Poland like blew up because he's just like, oh, I'm trying to change my sound. That's not what I'm trying to do. And then when that sound dropped, um, it was very polarizing. But I, I think that I have so much, so many low expectations of Yachty. I kind of had low expectations of the album, but I thought the album was pretty good. Um, he has uh, the unknown Moral or- Orchestra uh, doing the production, um, which is another artist. He probably got high, and, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, yeah, yeah. this is great," which I, I yeah. you know, which I love. Um, you know, there's still, like some Toro Imoa in there. Like, there's a lot. Nick of Akeem stuff. did a yeah. track. Yeah, like there's a lot of stuff that's like I personally love as as a you know kind of like a left of center black man that he kind of embraced, and he has the money to pay the producers to to actually make it you know worthwhile. But I have to say, like, look, obviously there's like three, four, five other people. Like, oh, yeah, Steve Lacey's also an influence um, that could have done it better uh, than Yachty. But I think he did a really good job with this. Obviously, you got the right producers, you got the right people in the studio. But he also, it didn't seem out of bounds for Yachty. 
you know, obviously he was auto-tuned. He was kind of being like a little yai in a lot of places in terms of like lyricism, things like that. But it all kind of worked in a way that I was not expecting. Um, and I, it's it's kind of becoming my go-to album, to be honest. And I'm, I'm kind of shocked saying that. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I liked it. I didn't love it. I think that... All right, so couple of things it feels that a lot of rappers when it comes to music outside of the genre sometimes within the same genre they have a terrible ear for beats i think that i know that like yadi is kind of claimed and looks like for real for real where he may not necessarily have pr- produced the record but he was the one who brought all the order artists in he's the one who executed produced it people were like nah don't do that shit like this is his project yeah so even though he did not make the music per se this is his project so it's also very fascinating to kind of hear him and the way he kind of put it together because it's generally a good like psychedelic like i won't say capital r rock album but it's definitely a cool like psychedelic rock album i'll put that number one number two I do hear him, and this is not a diss per se, my only big issue with the album is the fact of where it sounds like he's playing for really toned, you know, battle-weary, battle-worn psych band that's been doing this for like a couple of years versus like the 17-year-old singer they pulled (laughs) off like the first Craigslist ad showing up for, you know, the first practice or rehearsal. I'm not saying it's bad per se, but you can see that it's definitely the music is doing a lot of the heavy lifting, but you could also hear him trying to figure it out. So I know that it was a little interesting because when he came out, he was like, yeah, I'm doing this. This is my new stuff. I'm not just a rapper. So I kind of always hated that kind of like comment because it makes rap music seem a little bit lesser. But I kind of get the idea of wanting to be taken serious as an artist. I hope that by him wanting to take, get, be taken serious as an artist also involves the fact of where you kind of have to woodshed your shit. So what I hear here personally is something where I would love to hear a part two or part three. And that's not to say that it's bad, but like if you can kind of, like I said, the auto-tune vocals, I see what he's doing. He just didn't nail it. And I, I think if he practiced at it, he could nail it. And this is what I'm this is what I mean by that almost like. It's like Playboy Cardi. Playboy Cardi objectively is a terrible rapper, but Playboy Cardi is able to kind of make that phrasing work within that world. And the only thing is it's a little Yachty record. He's like 80% there. Yeah. And I I, I think that's not bad. Like, I I think I have very low expectations. Like there's some, (laughs) yeah, like, like some rapper, like it's like Lil Wayne rebirth. (laughs) (laughs) True. God damn it. You're right. Yeah. The bar is fucking in the gutter. Where it just Oof. like does not work at all, yeah. And I, I I feel like like I don't see that with with the with the Yachty record. I I, I definitely feel like eighty, maybe ninety percent there. Obviously, there's like other artists if they had the same production, they would kill it. You know, if 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 it's like a Steve Lacey record, right? You know, obviously, you know, with the same production, he will kill it. If it's Challenge Gambino, but. You know, I, 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 I'm generally not mad, you know, and I, I don't know if this is like a side project or if this is like a true sonic direction, um, but I, and maybe he's just catering to like, you know, like people like me who love this music, but um, I, I feel like some of the reviews are kind of harsh. I feel like, you know, obviously some of the, 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 the blowback is a little bit harsh, Um I don't know. Like it could have been done a lot worse. 
and I I do think it it was done in in as an authentic way as Yahi could have done it, <laughs> if that makes sense. All right, very important question. Better album, Little Yachty, Last Star Here, or Jay Z and Lincoln Park Hybrid? <laughs> <laughs> The sad thing is that like Jay Z Lincoln Park album is getting a lot of nostalgia. Like yeah, uh, I hate it. I fucking hate it. It's <laughs> it's it's not a great album. It's not a great album. But like I like there's a whole backstory to it, and obviously with the dude from Lincoln Park, like you know passing like Chad uh, Bennington passing away, the live nostalgia soaked in that album. Uh, but the 2000s were not great for music overall. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and that was not a great album. I would definitely say the Yai album is probably better, but I'm also agreed. <laughs> like, there's ninjas coming through my window right now. <laughs> Jay Z, Lincoln Park, ninjas, <laughs> you know, are uniting to take us down right now. <laughs> so, I think you've come to the logical conclusion of the podcast. Better rapper, Little Yachty over Jay Z. It's the only only logical. <laughs> I feel that the score the score is going in one direction, and I'm I'm sorry, Jigga Man. You might have to you know might have to go back to the lab, call up a 1990 fucking seven tempo, and you know I don't Bro, know, bruh. You you live in Brooklyn, man. You need to watch your back, dude. I live in the, I live in the woods. I could say the Machine Gun Kelly is the best rapper alive. <laughs> I, but on that same note, though, I would make an argument that my little yachty goes is more. More town appropriate in 2023 than Jay-Z. <laughs> There's a lot more Yachty fans out here. There's dozens of us. Probably. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> and on that note, we love y'all for listening. Hug your loved ones. Break out that old Lincoln Park record. Break out that uh that that old Jay-Z record. <laughs> You know, sit back, relax. Maybe put on some white tight jeans. You know, maybe maybe go look fondly at the Urban Outfitter like gift card you forgot to cash in two thousand and six. You know, and imagine a better time. Yo, get the get that um, what was it called? The the the, the trio phone. Oh, the trio phone. Yo, the sidekick, the sidekick, the kids are the kids are getting sidekicks again. It's all back, <sighs> dude. It's all back. Two thousands, y'all y'all are on the nineties kick. 2000s are back. <laughs> Oof. Oof. I, I, I don't know if I can do it. The, the Coke is not the same. <laughs> the Coke, the skinny clothes, and the free alcohol would hit a lot different in 2023. <laughs> Imagine if the kids had a four local, man. It'd be a wrap. It'd be a wrap. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh. <laughs> I, I will say this much. I do miss 90s weed. That was That weed was nice and that was... That was, I can still do shit weed. Like the, the weed now is just like I'm staying at home and I'm playing Xbox and Netflix. <laughs> that 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 arts weed was perfect. It got you fucked up, but you were able to do things. You're able to function. I'm a big fan. We gotta go back to that era. That was those, 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 that was a good good way. <laughs> uh, on a serious note, we love y'all. Thanks for listening. We appreciate your ears, and we'll be back next week. Peace.